Well, we, we ha- we're away, um, kind of relaxing this, this past week. Um, our plans kind of got changed uh, over the last week because of COVID and all kinds of other stuff. But um, we had a, a good time uh, relaxing. Uh, I do want to thank uh, Brother uh, Dr. Bill uh, for sharing last week. Uh, it was good to hear you uh, sharing. And um, your qualifications are just fine for speaking uh, to, the, to our congregation. So thanks for, for sharing your, your thoughts last week. Also, just a number of people uh, that I want to thank for kind of stepping up here in, in the last uh, couple of weeks, <clears throat> kind of filling roles somewhat unexpectedly at different times. Uh, Cindy, thanks for playing uh, our, our hymns in the last couple of weeks. And uh, the praise team, thanks for um, doing your thing last week, and, and uh, you didn't need, need us there. So thank you for uh, sharing that. And uh, Luke and Ben, thanks for filling in on sound, um, kind of in emergency uh, conditions a little bit here in the last couple of weeks. Thanks for, for stepping in. It's been good just to, to worship uh, with you, worship together, especially Christmas Eve. And, and um, we were participating uh, virtually last week, so that was good to, to share with you and, and just hear what was going on and um, have our spirits lifted. And it's good to be back with you uh, now this Sunday. Um, over the next few weeks, our scripture lessons are going to going to be taken from the lectionary, uh, which is a, a resource that a lot of different Christian traditions use uh, to kind of work their way methodically uh, through Scripture every year, um, and in the course of a three-year period, roughly cover most of the Bible. Uh, and there's always a, a reading from the Old Testament, and a, a reading from Psalms, and a reading from somewhere in the New Testament, and then a gospel reading. And it has kind of become our tradition in the last couple of months to uh, stand, to rise for the reading of Scripture. It's, we do that as a way of kind of honoring that specific part of the story, which is specifically about the life of Jesus. Uh, we call it the, the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and so we, we kind of want to stand up to pay extra attention to that part of the story. But over the next few weeks, we're going to focus in on the passages from the lectionary that aren't specifically the gospel reading. We often, you know, it's right that we pay attention closely to that, to that section, but we're going to take a look at some of the other parts of these, of these uh, scripture readings. <clears throat> The gospel account is central to our faith, and uh, we in the, in the Church of the Brethren hold that we have no creed but the New Testament. But also, it's important for us to be studying all of Scripture because the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, was Jesus' Bible, and, and the Psalms and, and Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and, and some other uh, sections of Scripture were, were Jesus' hymnal and prayer book. And so those are the things that he used and he valued and he draws from and he tells the story from. And so we're going to be paying attention in particular to some of those other passages. I am uh, learning again. I, it is being emphasized in a couple of different things that I've been 
reading and listening to and um, just, I think, for my own life, learning again or realizing again or maybe just having it emphasized again that the, this whole story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation finds its, its climax, finds its, its wholeness in Jesus. The whole thing is heading towards Jesus, pointing us to what happens in the gospel accounts. And of course, there's some rough stuff along the way. You're reading through the Old Testament. You get to certain passages that you go, I'm not sure at all how this helps move us towards Jesus. I'm not sure what this has to do anything with, with you know, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, like all that stuff, that good stuff that we hope to, to read about in the Gospels. There are parts of Scripture that we're wondering, how do we possibly get there? Stories that seem far removed from Jesus. But like a grand epic narrative, this whole is, is woven together. And so we're going to take a look at how these three passages that have been read for us this morning, how they kind of shape and form and, and highlight the parts of this whole story for us this morning. And as we look at that, would you pray with me? Jesus, it is good to be here and to be worshiping. As we think about a new year, new possibilities, new uh, things to anticipate, um, truth be told, uh, maybe new things to, that we are worried about, anxious about, uh, things like that. We are grateful to be in your presence and to be learning from this story again and again and again. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, our three passages that were read for us this morning from Psalm 147, uh, Jeremiah 31, and from John chapter 1. Psalm 147 is... um, this psalm has a flow, even the whole collection of psalms has a flow and kind of tells a story of sorts throughout the book of psalms. Jeremiah 31, uh, 7 to 14, is, is a, a, Jeremiah is a major prophet during the Babylonian exile and, and helps us see into this, this life, see into uh, how these people of Israel felt as they were removed, exiled, they felt distance from God, they're, they're looking, they're clinging, trying to see hope, and so Jeremiah is sharing that. John chapter 1 is a familiar passage. Maybe you heard it read this morning and you think, here comes another Christmas sermon. I thought we were over with Christmas. Uh, Aren't we moving on? Um, But that's not quite where we're going this morning. Psalm 147 is one of five concluding psalms that kind of brings this, this book of poetry and, and, and hymns uh, to its conclusion. It includes thanksgiving for either an anticipated restoration or a realized restoration of Jerusalem. It depends on 
when this psalm is actually written, whether it's the people still in exile looking forward to uh, restoration of Jerusalem, or whether they have already started to see it happen. They've been allowed to return to Jerusalem, return and rebuild the temple. And so they are singing with thanksgiving. This psalm and uh, Jeremiah's passage come from those who have experienced exile in Babylon, who have been removed from the familiar, who have been forced to live in a land not their own, who have been um, at different points mourning and and weeping the, the destruction of the temple, who are trying to cling on to hope, who are trying to remember that they are God's um, special chosen people. Psalm 147 is written near the end or just following the exile period in Judah's history. This psalm anticipates uh, a number of things. In verse 13, it anticipates security. Uh, It anticipates the blessing on descendants. We see the, the, the poet anticipating peace and abundance. The writer is praising God for God's blessing on Judah and the descendants of Jacob. And the the psalmist celebrates the sending out of God's word to Jacob. Uh, The the writer uses the word in our English translation, statutes and ordinances. It's a a reference back to the Torah, to the way, to the teaching uh, that the Jews found this this special um, teaching, uh, this way of following who God is. And so was the Torah there thankful for God's ordinances and statutes. In Jeremiah, verse 7 includes the phrase, Save, O Lord, your people. It is Hosanna that people are shouting. Uh, Typically, we associate Hosanna with what the the people are shouting as Jesus enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, shouting uh, praise for God's rescue. It anticipates the ingathering of those scattered and includes the blind and the lame. Jeremiah is, is looking forward to all these people who have been dispersed and scattered across the, the Babylonian and Persian empires. He's anticipating them coming back together. And it's interesting that he specifically, specifically calls out the lame and the blind because these are two groups of people that we are going to see Jesus having a lot of interaction with and healing and bringing them in, into wholeness. Verse 12, the second part of that says, Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Uh, John, in one of his other uh, writings, will draw on this imagery at the end of his revelation. He anticipates this urban garden where there is no longer any tears or pain. So he's tapping into what Jeremiah the prophet had, had written about hundreds of years earlier. And we come to John chapter 1, and it starts in the beginning, where John is intentionally drawing from the in the beginning of Genesis. John gives a, a theological recap of the creation narrative. The Word was with God, participating in creation there at the very beginning. We see another prophet, John the Baptist, preparing and announcing the way for God's anointed. 
It was interesting to me as I was reading these passages this week that some of the most New Testament-sounding passages that were read for us this morning actually come from the Old Testament. And the in the beginning part comes from the New Testament. And so this is this whole story, the, these scriptures, no matter where we're at, are, are starting to weave together this picture. It's interesting, too, that the hope and rescue anticipated in poetry and prophet is initially missed by the very group of people singing the songs, praying the prayers, and reciting the Torah and the Psalms. Those that have grown up singing these these psalms, praying these psalms, learning, studying, memorizing Torah, they're the ones that in John's version of the gospel are completely missing what God is up to. I'm realizing more and more the clear warning in Scripture about just being a good church person. And what do I mean by that? I mean... Someone who shows up at church doing all the right stuff, singing the right songs, knowing the Lord's Prayer front and back, knows all the the Sunday school answers, but doesn't internalize them and live them out. Now, please don't misunderstand. We can be formed in our worship, formed in these practices, formed in Sunday school, formed in, in reciting the Lord's Prayer. And I don't really want you not to come on Sundays. That's not really what I'm uh, trying to get at here. But there are a lot of people in Jesus' day going to temple on Saturday, doing the right things, saying the right prayers, memorizing all the right verses that completely miss what God is up to. Sometimes we can get so attached to practices and traditions and the ways we've always done it and completely miss the ways that God is transforming us and the world around us. So as I read these passages, as I think about this story, I want to be careful not to duplicate the mistake of the religious folks in Scripture who are worried about all the the fine details of the law and the traditions, but miss Jesus. Jesus comes to embody, to show us a new Torah. The psalmist celebrates God's statutes and ordinances, God's word being given to Jacob and his descendants. Um, The psalmist is, is celebrating this. But John is going to take that a little further. John's going to expand this vision. John is is pointing out that that this is growing. This is bigger than than what the psalmist just initially anticipated. When he says, To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. John is pointing out that it's no longer just reserved for Jacob's biological children, this blessing of being welcomed in, of finding healing and wholeness. It's no longer just for those biological children of Jacob, but it is being spread. 
And John 1.17 then references back to the Torah mentioned in Psalm 147, given through Moses, but now a new fulfilled Torah, the way is embodied in Jesus. Studying Torah isn't a bad thing, it is a good thing. And if we want to see what it looks like to be lived out, we're invited to look at the life and teachings of Jesus. So it's this whole story, all of Scripture, that is being woven together so that we see what God is up to. I've been challenged to to grow in the seeing of the whole narrative and the, the themes and the word pictures that run throughout Scripture. To see how the images, these, these themes, are, are woven together in the narrative of Scripture that leads us to Jesus. There's certainly time for detailed analysis, for opening up your, your Scripture and, and looking hard at what a verse or a, or a couple verses or a, a little section looks like. And, and sometimes we see a, a whole different kind of beauty in, in the minutiae and in, in figuring out this, the small details of this passage. I, I think it's like, it's like looking at a tree and looking at a forest. The tree can be beautiful. It, it is, has its own uh, bark and own beauty to it. But it's also part of a larger forest, a larger organism, a larger thing that is growing. And sometimes we get so focused on one part that we miss the whole of what's going on. I think sometimes this happens when sometimes we have a tendency to pick a verse from here and pick a verse from here and pick a verse from here to prove our point. It's called proof texting. And we don't see how this fits into the larger story of what God is doing. Like I said, it's interesting that some of the New Testament lines or the most New Testament sounding lines in our passages today are from the Hebrew Bible. And the beginning of the story comes from the Gospel passage. These are reminders to me of the grand story and its highlights and how they're woven together. And what I'm talking about by this grand story is in the beginning, creation was intended to live in harmony with the Creator. But the human one, that first human one, whose name incidentally is Adam. Um, I'm not sure why my parents thought that would be a great name. He screws it all up. And the subsequent human ones choose to do things in their own way. And slavery and exile result and continue to wreak havoc on the world around us. God rescued Israel from Egypt. God rescued Judah from exile. And God continues to rescue from slavery and exile over and over and over again through the blood of the Lamb, bringing us back to the promised land, abundance, blessing, and shalom. God steps into history, sending Jesus as the new human one who will do what the first human one could not which is to fully and completely follow the will of God, to lay down His own life, to ransom and redeem the rest of the human ones, 
to save perfectly those caught in cycles of slavery and exile. And so you and I, when we gather to worship, we continue to sing with the psalmist, to sing with the prophets, the songs of thanksgiving for God's salvation, the songs of hope for continued and ultimate deliverance. This is why we gather to worship. This morning as we begin a new year, I want to remind us to look at the whole of what God is doing. Look up from the immediate circumstances to see the larger story that God is weaving together. See how God is weaving you into His story. See how God continues God's work of redeeming and renewing. I also want to encourage us as as a body of people, as a a group of folks that are are trying to commit to follow Jesus more faithfully each day, to dig deep into the Scriptures, to read with eyes and ears tuned to the larger story, to see the embodied Torah lived out in Jesus and walk in this way. And as we begin a new year, And maybe as you're thinking about resolutions or goals or hopes or dreams or whatever kind of language you use around that. For a new year, for a new season. Again, I encourage us to be a people who is digging deep into this beautiful story in Scripture. To see it with new eyes, to to hear it with new ears. To read the epic story of God saving the universe from slavery and exile. To follow the embodied Torah, the way, the truth, and life found in Jesus. That you may come to know the ingathering of the people. The peace, the abundance, the wholeness, the shalom of God. May it be so. I'm going to invite our response in song this morning. Um, We're going to turn in our blue hymnals to number 174. Blessed be the God of Israel. This is a little bit unfamiliar to me, but I I think it's been sung here at Spring Creek over the years. And so I'm going to ask you to, to sing it out so I get to know it a little bit better as well. Would you stand as we close in song?